All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscalia. Thank you all for joining me here on this episode. This one's going to be a little bit shorter than some of the other episodes that we normally do, just because I wanted to... Uh, I thought it was important to kind of get a, a salary cap primer out there for you, because I'm sure it's a, it's a topic that I know can get a little bit weighty, and there's a lot of things to think about when it comes to that. And so I just figured it would be a, a good little aside when the Bills are approaching all of their different business this offseason to kind of point out like areas that they can get themselves some more cap space, what makes sense, what doesn't in terms of how it can impact them in the future, and certainly other means of getting some cap space. Because right now, that is their biggest hurdle that they need to clear. Of course, the Super Bowl is, is this coming weekend, and we all know that uh, once that gets uh, gets over with, then it's the full shift into the off-season mode, even though 30 out of 32 teams are there right now, and the Bills being one of them. So when you look at what they're overall 2023 salary cap outlook is right now, it's not exactly great. <laughs> I mean, the they set the, the cap limit at $224.8 million. That happened either a week or two ago. And the Bills, as of today, have a potential of two point, almost $2.2 million to roll over into the next into next year, which does not account for uh, maybe some of the the justifications for incentives and things like that. So there, it could be that full 2.2 might be a, a little bit lesser than that. So all of that kind of gets gets baked in before we we get that that final number. So a lot of the the figures that I'm going to be going going through, and I, I won't get too like in the weeds with numbers because I, I know it's like. It's like if I spit too many numbers and you just kind of go to the place <laughs> and you're like, okay, glazed over everything like that. It's a lot to take in and it took me a long time to, and and asking a lot of questions to really kind of get down, but, um, and I'm still learning as, as, as we go here and I'm, I've been doing this for over a decade now, but I will just point out what's, what's important above all else. So heading in, um, and the numbers that I'll be using for the most part will be coming from Over the Cap, who does a great job in, you know, tracking all contract data and and spinning out dead money, cap savings, everything like that, uh, cap numbers, and and adjusting them to when they need to be adjusted. They they do, it's a great job. So if if you haven't yet, head over to the OverTheCap.com because they do incredible stuff over there to try and make this. A little bit of a uh, of a more understandable piece, and then, of course, you know, working in this profession, you talk with people, get the get the contracts ourselves, and kind of cross check everything, and, and and yeah, so over the cap is is just outstanding. So the ways that the bills can cut cap, because right now, according to over the cap, they are looking at about. 17 million over the cap limit next year. You know, it's it's probably going to be somewhere between that 17 to 20 million range, I think, 
of, of stuff that they need to clear just to get CAP compliant. And there are several means for them to do so. They can cut players, they can restructure current long-term contracts, and they can also extend some of their players that are entering the final year of their deal. And so I'll just, I just wanted to point out some of the, the options that they have this upcoming offseason because it's not as though like it's what it was last year. Because last year, there were a lot of players that they could just flat cut, get a big uh, a chunk of, of cap savings back in their back pockets, and you know minimally do the restructure void year game. But they don't, really don't have those this year. Last year, they had A.J. Klein, they had Cole Beasley, and they could really clear up a lot of space doing it that way. But this year, there's not a lot of obvious candidates. Like, Naheem Hines is the most realistic one that they could cut if they wanted to because his cap hit for 2023 is $4.79 million, And he is not an essential player to their team. But they also just traded for him. They traded a player that they took in the third round plus another late-round pick on top of that. So you would kind of wonder if Brandon Bean actually wants to do that, or maybe if he tries to restructure. So there, there's that point of view uh, to think about with Hines. And then the other thing with, with cap casualties just in general, the way that the NFL does it is that they, they go by it with their, their top 51. Uh, so the, the 51 biggest contracts in terms of 51 biggest cap numbers that a team has, regardless if they have more than 51, that is what counts towards the off-season cap limit. So because of that, if you cut players, a lot of times, if you have over 51, which the Bills do, barely, the contract you're cutting has to be replaced by another. So if I say that Naheem Hines has a cap hit of point almost 4.8 million, you have to, if they were to cut him, that gets replaced by another contract. So I typically ballpark it around $800,000. So rather than saying, oh, they can save 4.8 million, well, they can save 4 million because that 0.8 comes off with the, uh, with the other contract that has to jump in its place to the top 51. So that's why it's... The cap cutting is a little bit deceiving because it's not like it's not exactly the the number that uh, that you see out there, but but yeah, it's still pretty close, just like give or take under a million. So Heinz is is an option. The other another option to cut is Isaiah McKenzie, and I don't know that they would necessarily want to do that just because they don't have a lot under contract with wide receiver, and I know they still like him just in terms of. Being a depth option, he's probably more of a four or five, like I talked about with Matt Bovee in the, in the last episode. But uh, if they were to do that, they could say or his cap hit is two point nine two million, and his potential cap savings before another contract gets added is two point six two million. So uh, there, he's an option. Same thing with Tim Settle, uh, backup defensive tackle. Didn't really have a great year last year. He was okay, not not like someone that really stood out from from week to week. 
and his potential cap savings before another contract gets added in its place is $2.25 million. So those are really the three that, that stick out to me as things that they could do from a flat cut perspective. And those, you know, you can make an argument for all three of them to stay. Like, let's say Brandon Bean negotiates a pay cut with Naheem Hines, gets him to lop off $2 million from that cap. That's $2 million in savings, and they still get to keep the player. And Hines would be under contract, is still under contract through the 2024 season as well. So they maintain that flexibility. I do think that that contract probably is one that needs to be tweaked, either being outright released or a pay cut, because that's not a cap hit commensurate with what they received or if they look, view him as a kickoff and punt returner it's not commensurate with what you would pay on the open market for that player so i guess it's just a matter of trying to find that middle ground between Hines and the bills and and seeing what they could do from that perspective the other uh way to kind of go about getting cap space while avoiding the kicking the can down the road is via contract extensions. And there are three pretty obvious candidates in my mind that that they could go for. Mitch Morse is one of them, their starting center. His cap hit is 11.36 million in in this upcoming uh, year. It's the final year of his deal. Let's say they were to negotiate a a one or two year extension with him. That would be able to to push some of that cap space into the into the the upcoming years 2022 2023 but it's not a or I'm sorry wow where, where am I 2023 would push into 2024 and 2025 and that um, that wouldn't necessarily be the same as like restructuring and kicking the can down the road because you're just giving the player new money and uh, it's it's a little bit different that way, and you still open up the uh, the possibility to restructure that contract in, in a year or two if you if you really want to. So Mitch Morse is one of those. Ed Oliver, whose cap hit is ten point seven five million dollars, they expressed interest previously about him being a part of the program for the long term. That was last off season. Didn't exactly hear the same thing from Brandon Bean this off season. That doesn't mean they changed their mind. But he's still a candidate for that. And then Micah Hyde, whose cap hit is $10.57 million this upcoming season. If they were to issue him a one-year contract extension, it would probably bring that number down a little bit. So those, those are means. But the, the Bills' best means and their most obvious means of clearing up the cap space needed to conduct business this offseason. So we're talking about being able to re-sign Tremaine Edmonds, being somewhat of a a fluid player in free agency probably not going to be a big swing maybe like a, a medium swing there's potential there or let's say Jordan Poyer's market falls flat and you have the opportunity to bring back both Edmonds and Poyer this part of it the restructuring of current long-term deals is going to be their best means to do it but you also need to be careful because you don't want to do it too much. I mean, Brandon Bean uh, 
has said he doesn't want to be a team that's just constantly moving around tens of millions of dollars every single year or 10, 20, 30 million dollars every single year just to get camp compliant before you're able to do some things. And there is a residual effect. Like we are seeing that now with the LA Rams as to what happens when you continuously just push it down the road and pretend like the cap is fake. Eventually the cap is going to get you. It's just part of business. You can you can do it for so long, but then eventually it catches up with you. The Saints have done this for for years and you know, it it really depends on your star players being stars above all else and then kind of getting by elsewhere, but it, the cap comes for us all. <laughs> is is the way I can the best way I can put it. So that's why I think the Bills want to be careful and why they should be prudent about which long-term contracts that they are actually going to restructure and push cap space down the road. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And the big keys to look for are ones that they haven't restructured previously, obviously, and ones that you know that the player is going to be a part of your program for the most part of how far into the future you are restructuring that deal. So what do I mean by restructuring? There, It's just a way of kind of moving money around and, and prorating it. Like for instance, let's say a player has a huge base salary in 2023. You can basically take all of that base salary minus the veteran minimum and then basically convert that into a signing bonus, which you can then prorate for up to five years, either however many years remaining you have on the contract, up to five, or let's say they only have three years left, you could prorate it over three. You can do three and, and throw a couple of void years on there to get to the five. But the trouble with the void years is that those uh, that bill comes due in the fourth year. All right, now I'm getting in the weeds, and I, I know I'm... I'm, I might be glossing over people, or people might be glossing over at this point, but it's it, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it. So that's that's why you have to just kind of be careful. Um, and if you're unsure of certain players and their long term trajectory within your program, you don't necessarily want to restructure those those contracts. So I'll go through a few examples of of ones that make sense and maybe ones that don't for the Bills because they do have a a handful of really big cap hits this upcoming season that are on long-term deals. So I'll go with the ones that make sense. And I think the one that is a an absolute must based on what their current cap structure is for 2023 is to restructure Josh Allen's deal for this year. 
I mean, he he checks every single box that you want with in terms of pushing money down the road because you know he's here for the long haul. He signed for for the five seasons, so you don't have to add any void years. You also have the potential to restructure other pieces of his contract in the future and it still be a a worthwhile endeavor to you. And you're clearing up a ton of cap space in the process. Right now, Josh Allen's 2023 cap hit is $39.8 million. But if you were to do the converting all but the veteran minimum of his base salary in 2023 to a signing bonus, prorate that over five years, you can get a cap savings of $21.14 million this this upcoming year. And that's not including some, you know, some other like roster bonuses and uh maybe per game bonuses or anything. I just keep it with with base salaries because that's usually the the means that most teams go to. So that's so for the Bills it would add an extra 5.4 million on each one of Allen's cap hits over the next four years after this season. But they can deal with that because they know he's their franchise quarterback. They know he's going to be here for the long term. And they understand that the cap is probably going up. And so Allen, there are there are means to for the for the how this makes sense. And right here, by this one move, they get cap compliant. They can at least be in the black and start to think about operating. And whether it's what they do this in unison with, whether it's by cutting players, extending Mitch Morse, extending Ed Oliver, extending Micah Hyde, this is at least the baseline of where they need to get to. So th- this is this one to me is a no-brainer. Um, you're basically just getting everything you need to do done in one fell swoop. Um, and then from there, you can kind of decide which contracts are the most conducive to a restructure outside of the Allen one to make enough space to re-sign Tremaine Edmonds or be active in free agency. Maybe both. But it has to start with the Josh Allen contract. Over $21 million in savings on this year's cap. It's just got to have it. Got to have it with with how things are looking right now for, for their cap figures. The other, uh, the other one that I think makes the most sense, and it might surprise you a little bit because of his age and the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL, but I think being able to, um, or if they wanted to restructure Von Miller's deal would make a lot of sense to me because he is signed for the long term and his cap hit for 2023 is 20 almost $3 million, $20.3 million. And the way that his contract is structured is that it was essentially when they signed it, a three-year deal, and then they give themselves in that fourth season, 2025, the ability to get out from the contract and save legitimate funds on their cap to, to get away from it. And by that point... Miller's going to be 
36 years old. You don't know exactly what he's going to do over the next two years, especially coming back from that injury. But all that said, they are locked in for the next two seasons. There's there's no getting around that. So if they wanted to do the same thing as they did with the Josh Allen contract and convert uh, convert his thirteen point three four five million uh, signing uh, roster bonus into a prorated signing bonus, they can gain nearly 11 million in cap space. And it would still maintain their flexibility to get out from the deal in 2025 because they could still, even with the proration, they can still save about $6 million to cut him in, 2000, in 2025. Like it, it would basically be taking it down from saving almost $14 million to cut him in 2025 to saving... Six million to cut him in 2025, but you know that said, it's it's still a way to get them where they need to be, and just by those two moves, Allen and Miller, you are right there in the realm of re-signing Tremaine Edmonds if they wanted to, because that first year on the Tremaine Edmonds deal is probably not going to be the same as like the average annual valuation. So I I ballpark that somewhere between like eight to twelve million dollars in his first year cap hit, maybe maybe less than eight, but you know I figure he'll he'll probably do pretty well um, with his next contract considering his age and and how well he played this year. But those two moves put you right there. The other ones that that make the other one that makes sense the most sense to me anyway is probably Stefan Diggs for a lot of the same reason as as the Von Miller one because you know he's going to be here for the next two, three years at least. And prorating it now will not detract from the amount of savings you can get when you have that that escape button potential in the future. So for Diggs, it would be in 2026. And even if they were to restructure some of that money and convert his base salary into a signing bonus this year, they would still be able to get out from Diggs' contract if they want to in 2026 and save, you know, almost $14 million, even with a restructure. So a restructure of Stefan Diggs would yield them potentially like over $5 million in savings this year. So what is that? It's 21 plus 11. It's 32 million in savings. Uh, plus another five is 37 million in savings. So just by those three moves, they can get themselves in a spot where they can operate and bring back admins. Maybe even bring back Poyer. Um, if not both of those guys, then you know bringing in a, a middle tier free agent. At least being able to to fill out things with some lower priced veterans. That is what they'll be capable of with those three moves in my mind, and that's without any of the other stuff. The ones I think they should probably avoid. There's two main ones, and that being two that they had previously restructured um, 
in the last couple of years. Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, both guys are kind of in the same boat here because both are signed through the 2024 season and they already have void years baked into their contract. So even though they have higher cap hits, like Milano has a 13.34 million cap hit. Deion Dawkins has a 14.85 million cap hit. And you could do things to save a legitimate amount on on the salary cap this season, but you're also putting yourself in a tough spot because you are adding that much more to the void years that are already coming due in a couple of years uh, towards your cap. And there is a possibility that you move on from one or both of those players. Milano, he's going to be entering his age 31 season in 2025 when he's a free agent. So who knows exactly what his career looks like at, at that point. Uh, Deion Dawkins, who did not have a great year this past year. He was okay, just wasn't horrible, wasn't good. He was just okay, about, about a little bit above average, I think, is, is where I would put Deion Dawkins. And you have to wonder if he is, based on what we saw last year, if he's going to be the long-term starting left tackle or maybe if there's a move inside to guard, whatever the case may be, his value might drop by quite by quite a bit in a couple of seasons. So you don't necessarily want to keep pushing money down the road for a guy that you that you think there's a chance might not be here in a couple of seasons. And so Dawkins and Milano, those those are the two I would I would kind of stay away from. But Two others that they could do if they wanted to, like Tredavious White is one because they know he's going to be here. That could save about $5 million on this cap. And then Taron Johnson is is another one that they could add some void years to his deal, save around a little over $3 million. But I would, generally speaking, if I'm the Bills where they are now after they just got through the go-for-it year and, and they did all that stuff to get Von Miller on the books, I would generally try to stay away from the vo- adding additional void years to some of these deals just because eventually those those bills are coming due. And and certainly, um, like I pointed out with, with the void years before, you can prorate it for up to up to five years. So let's say a player has three years left. You have you add two void years. Even though it's prorated on the cap for five years, you get that two years worth of a chunk in the fourth year, which is the first void year, that affects that cap. So that's why, to me, it makes... I don't love void years in terms of keeping a cap sheet clean and being able to predict what you can do from one one year to the next. Uh, it's it's not a perfect situation. You're going to have to do it sometimes, but you know, generally speaking, I think the Bills doing it to the degree that they did it last year had all to do with the addition of Von Miller and you know there's certainly some other things they wanted to do but last year was certainly the go for it year I think this year needs to be a, a bit more of the I don't know 
bringing bringing it back from that because you don't want to go too far down that uh, that road in terms of void years and, and kicking it down the road. But you know that's why I think those three contracts are the most conducive to me: Allen, Miller, and Diggs, because you know all three are going to be here, and you know all three are are a big piece of your program. So they do that, then that's what I say, 30, almost 37 million in, in savings. And if they're what over the cap projects is a little under 17 over the cap, then that puts you at about 20 million in operating space. So that gives you room for resigning admins and your draft class doing all this other business, replacing some of the the lower contracts in your top 51 with maybe like $1.5, $2 million deals, things like that. So they would have room to do so. Uh, It might be a, okay, do Allen and Miller, and then if they need to, go to Diggs situation. Just so they... They just keep their options open rather than automatically choosing to do it and kicking the can down the road on all three of those guys. But still, it has to start with Allen. I think Miller is is the other obvious one. And then once you do that, you can you can go about your business uh, with with the rest of the offseason. So I hope this was helpful. Um, there are a lot of different means to do it, but certainly. The Bills do have options, and knowing how Brandon Bean would like to approach this thing, I think he'll be mostly prudent in how much he he restructures this offseason. You know, he could might make an exception. Maybe he he pulls the tab for both Tredavious White and and Taron Johnson um, to restructure those contracts too, just to get some additional flexibility. But the uh, the overwhelming sense to me is that they know that they did it a lot and now this offseason might be a bit more of the okay let's let's not go crazy with it but but do it when it makes sense to and so those are the ways i think it makes sense all right so i hope you found this informative and maybe a little bit uh Maybe you want to read a little bit more about it. I have a Bill's salary cap options uh, piece over up up over at the Athletic. I posted that. Let's see, end of January, and I figure that's that's kind of a, a way you can kind of go back to to think about ways that that they go about it. it. Has exact potential savings and everything like that. So that's over at theathletic.com. Uh, just type in my name or. Or click on my name from one of the stories you'll be able to find. It's not too far down there. All right. So that'll do it for me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this shorter version of the Buffalo Beat. And we'll see what happens in the Super Bowl. And then we'll see what happens exactly with with what they're willing to do for to, to gain cap space and really what they do with it. So it should be fun. We will talk to you uh, next week. And then will be full on into off-season mode. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Pascalia. We will talk to you next time. See you then.